Hola y buenas noches from Mexico City, live from Mexico City. It's me, La Gringa Novelera, bringing you another podcast. This is my second one. The stats on my first one from last night were, I think, like 14 people listened to it. And I am very, very grateful to those 14 people for listening to it. And I hope you liked it. And I decided to do another one tonight because I think the only way I'm going to get better at this is by doing it a lot. Of course, you, the listener, will pay a high price. But me, I'm hoping to get better. So last night I told you just a little bit about what has brought me to Mexico City, what brought me to leave my job, leave my home, my family, my friends in Chicago, to move to Mexico City a city and a country I'd never been to before to write the telenovela of my dreams. Um, And I told you a little bit about that. And what I want to tell you about tonight, before before I go any further with how I ended up here, I want to tell you why I'm calling this podcast My Mexican Mistakes. Like I said last night, if you stay through to the end, you brave people, um, I am calling this my Mexican mistakes, not because it was a mistake to move to Mexico City, because it was not. I am in heaven. Am I in heaven? No, I'm in Mexico City. Estoy en cielo. That's Spanish for I'm in heaven. Um, But I know that I'm going to make a lot of mistakes here as I go along, and I already made some pretty big ones. Nothing awful. That's how you learn. Um, so I wa- so I want to tell you what the inspiration for the title of this was. I got here Saturday night, and I'm staying in a lovely bed and breakfast. It's awesome, but you know I wanted some things for my room, uh, and so they have. Uh, there's a supermarket you can order online, and get what you want and have it delivered. It's just like home, Chicago. Uh, so I got online. The whole thing was in Spanish, but I knew what I wanted, and I knew specifically two very important things I wanted were bottles of water, like small bottles of water, so I could throw them in my purse when I leave. Um, those That size, you know the size I'm talking about, um, would fit into my mini refrigerator that comes with the room, and I also wanted party cups. Not because I'm having any parties, but I love drinking out of party cups just so I can pretend, you know, my life's a party. Uh, But anyway, and then I ordered some Kleenex and other things. But the most important thing in that delivery was the water and the cups. And I thought, first I thought I'll get a dozen bottles of water. And then I thought, nah, make it 20 because I'll probably go through that water pretty quickly. Um, anticipating always taking a bottle with me to start my day. And I ordered one package of cups and then a bunch of other stuff. It came about an hour later. It arrived two delivery men. uh, And I was like, man, they're sending a lot of delivery men to deliver what I would consider not a particularly big order. Except that between my lack of understanding of the metric system, the money, and, you know, Spanish is not my strong suit, 
the 20 bottles of water that I ordered were like land of the giants size bottles of water. Like not exactly water cooler bottles of water, but way bigger than, they're probably like five gallons. I don't know. Once again, I don't understand the metric system. So when I opened up the front gate uh, to the place to let them in, they thought they were delivering to the office or to a business because there were 20 gigantic bottles of water. Then the excellent guy that runs the front desk came out to see what was going on because there were so many delivery men. And then he saw them piling up bottle after bottle after bottle, 20 land of the giant size bottles of water. And then like two little plastic bags with the rest of the stuff that I ordered. So he asked me, why did I order these bottles, such big bottles, and why did I order so many of them? And I once watching a narco novella, I think, when somebody was being tortured, uh, he was very thirsty. And the words, the, I'm thirsty, I believe, is tango said. And I remembered it from a narco novella. So when he asked me in English, why did I order so many gigantic bottles of water? I looked right at him and the delivery men and said, Tango said. And then they all burst out laughing, and I was so happy because I made my first joke in Spanish. I then explained to him that I don't understand the metric system, nor does the money make sense to me yet. Um, and again, Spanish isn't my strong suit. And so I ordered 20 office-sized bottles of water when I really wanted 20 bottles of water the size that you throw in your purse, like 10 ounces, 12 ounces. Um, so he graciously volunteered to put 16 of those bottles into the kitchen where uh, the housekeepers and the rest of the staff had a, big, a good laugh at my expense, but I don't blame them because I was laughing too. To add insult to injury, again, not understanding anything, just going by pictures, um, I, the cups that I ordered are like thimble size plastic cups. They are like plastic shot glasses. So not only do I have a lot of water that'll take me probably through the year 2022, but I'll be drinking it particularly slowly because I will be drinking it out of thimble size plastic cups. And once I post this podcast, I'm going to put the pictures up on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere, probably both, so you can see what I'm talking about. And you will see the gigantic bottles of water and the thimble-sized cups to drink it out of. And I then realized then and there that I was going to call this podcast My Mexican Mistakes. Um, My first one was a doozy. No harm, no foul. I just have a lot of water and a lot of teeny tiny cups. Um, But like today, um, when I went to get on a tour bus because I had the great idea, and I still stand by the idea of doing one of those on-again, off-again tour buses where you can just get on and get off. It's a great deal. I would absolutely recommend it. 
I don't know how those bus drivers keep their sanity driving in this traffic. Um, but I just thought I would, you know, buy a ticket and take the tour, not get off, just like a great way to see the whole city. And uh, so I was looking for the bus stop for that particular tour bus. I knew it was in front of the market. I knew it was not far from my house. Um, I set out for the bus stop today and I made a wrong turn and I ended up nowhere near where I wanted to be. But I didn't know how to get from where I was to where I wanted to be without going back to my hotel. So I then came back to my hotel and then I started all over again. Uh, so I believe, I, I don't want to have incidents like that every day, but I believe every day I'm going to make a bit of a mistake. Hopefully I won't be ordering water anytime soon. But I also believe that no matter how many mistakes I make, just like in a great telenovela, it may be hard to get to the end, but it's always going to be a happy ending. And today was a great day. I would absolutely recommend that tour bus. Um, they probably thought I was crazy because I never got off at any of the stops. But I just wanted to take Mexico City in. And it was it's fantastic. It's, I can't even describe how expansive the boulevards are, the parks, the green, the lush, the gigantic museums, um, the fact that here I think it is the case that cars have the right of way, not pedestrians. And I can see crossing some of these streets, it will be a major undertaking. And what I do is I just wait for somebody else to cross. Like I won't cross the street until somebody's going the same direction that I am in, going the same direction I'm going. And then I wait for them and then I follow them. And that's how I cross the streets because it's a madhouse here crossing the street. And it is every man and woman for themselves. Um, and the cars are against all. Uh, so I, I, that is, I think, um, well, that's what I wanted to tell you about the genesis of the name of my podcast, My Mexican Mistake. And tomorrow, uh, what I'd like to do, perhaps if you're still with me, is tell you a little bit more about what happened when I last left off yesterday, I was going to watch, I wanted to learn Spanish from a telenovela after having been hooked by Corazon Valiente and my friend and novela sensei and novela comadre, Irma Lopez said, I was never going to learn it from Corazon Valiente because that was coming to an end and it was a frenzy, and I'll tell you about that sometime. The ultimos, ultimos capitulos of a novella are just a frenzy of activity. But So I wasn't going to be able to learn it from that, but she told me La Patrona was going to start and that I should watch it with her, and then we would compare notes at work the next day, which um, you know was a big help uh, to people in law enforcement as I began to spend most of my time focused on telenovelas. But in any event, uh, I will tell you more about La Patrona and what happened while I was watching La Patrona. Um, and uh, because of course, if something dramatic happened in, novella, in a novella, I wanted something dramatic to happen to me too. Um, anyway, 
and I and I will leave you with this. Mexico is like heaven for a museum fan, a culture fan, a parks fan, uh, a boulevard fan, uh, whatever you're a fan of, tacos, um, it's all here in Mexico City. It's all happening here. This is the greatest city. Um, but it's also heaven for telenovela fans. And there's a novella that I think I've, I have no idea where they're at in the novella. It's just like when I started watching uh, Corazon Valiente. I have no idea what is happening in that novella, but it's like the greatest thing because everybody apparently hates just about everybody else in the show. But yesterday, a mother got out of her deathbed. This is like what I stepped into. A mother got out of her, off of her deathbed to go down to the library where she saw her daughter making out with this guy. And I guess the mother does not like the guy because the mother picked up a shotgun, put it to the guy's head, like the back of his head, and threatened to blow his brains out. And then, of course, he turned around and pushed the barrel of the shotgun into his forehead and told her, go ahead and kill me. Just kill me, which is one of my favorite things in a novella, when the person at the wrong end of the gun just takes on the person with the gun and challenges them and says, go ahead and kill me. I recommend you don't try that in Chicago, um, but in a novella, it's awesome. So boyfriend puts the bar- literally moves his forehead, pushes it up into the barrel of the gun, and taunts, not really taunts her, but he's like, kill me. So then she can't do it because they can never kill anybody who says kill them because nobody ever does what they want. Nobody will ever do what someone else wants in a novella. So then she takes the shotgun and puts it under her chin and now says she's going to kill herself. And I noticed that neither the mother nor the boyfriend seemed in too much of a hurry to get the gun away from her, even though she did have the shotgun under her chin and said she was going to kill herself. And then the boy, you, you, the next shot was her husband and the housekeeper in the kitchen where the husband was eating what looked to be a pretty delicious meal. And then the shotgun goes off and then they rush into the living room and the, you know, the mother is sobbing. The boyfriend had wrestled the gun out of her hands. The gun went off. Nobody was hurt. And then the housekeeper took the mother upstairs to bed where she continued to cry for the rest of the episode, even though her daughter, who was wearing like a jacket that was a combination of rabbit and glitter, um, was going back out to meet her boyfriend. So even though the attempt murder and the attempt suicide had just taken place, it seemed to be that life pretty much went on in that household. It was fantastic. Me, pecado. Um, if I ever have the time to start it from the beginning, I'm going to because it was awesome. Anyway, with that, I'll sign off and say good night and leave you with this. Watch telenovelas and move to Mexico City. It'll be the two greatest things you ever did in your whole life. Adios, muchachos. As we say in Mexico, charlamos en un ratito. Adios.
Hola, and welcome to the first episode of a new podcast that I'm just starting today, Monday, June 3rd, 2019. My name's Karen Kerbis. I am known in some very small places as La Gringa Novelera, which means the white girl that's obsessed with telenovelas. And maybe, now that I just said that, maybe I will change the name on my podcast to La Gringa Novelera. But in any event, this podcast is going to be super awkward because I've never done it before. Um, and I don't want to be long-winded, but I know that people who know me know that's sort of impossible. Um, let me tell you a little bit about what this is all about. Um, five years ago, I was living in Chicago, a city I lived in my whole life, and I had never been to Mexico, and I did not speak Spanish. Not like a choice, I just never learned Spanish. Um, I did know a little bit of courthouse Spanish, as we say, because I have I was working at the time as an assistant state's attorney prosecuting gang crimes in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. I was an assistant state's attorney there for 23 years, and uh, I was a gang crimes prosecutor for 16 of those years. And when this long adventure begins, and I believe me, I will not tell you the whole long adventure on this podcast, because you will totally stop listening by about the year 2022, maybe. No. Okay. So five years ago, I was very happy living in Chicago, working as a gang crimes prosecutor. And it was winter. And those of you who know winter in Chicago know that just like being out after midnight, bad things happen. Um, although in my case, it was a good thing. But winter was particularly hard that year. We hadn't even gotten to Christmas yet. And uh, so the city didn't look like a dirty ashtray just yet because the Christmas lights were still up. But you know what it's like uh, in Chicago. Uh, everybody looks like the Michelin man with their gigantic coats and um, boots. And anyway, I had come home from work and I was looking for something to watch on TV. And I know it's going to sound like the year or the land that time forgot, but like five years ago, Netflix as a streaming service didn't exist. No Amazon streaming, no Hulu, any of that. And so all you had were like 450 cable stations, which clearly were not enough. I was looking for something good to watch, um, and uh, I was a huge Seinfeld fan, and at that point, Seinfeld was in syndication and was probably on TV seven or eight times a day. Um, but weirdly, I couldn't find a Seinfeld episode, and I had enough of bad news, and Trump wasn't even the president yet five years ago. I didn't know how bad the news was going to get. But anyway, um, as I was uh, searching for something to watch, I stopped at Channel 14, I think, in Chicago, uh, the Telemundo, the state, Telemundo, Spanish language television. At the time, there were two big ones, Telemundo and Univision. And I just happened to stumble on Telemundo uh, and probably would have gone past it if it was a commercial, I'm sure, or if I hadn't been grabbed. But I was grabbed. It was as if hands reached out from my television 
and grab me by my throat, just like the movie The Ring, except in a good way. Um, it was a scene from a telenovela called Corazon Valiente, which means brave heart. And if I set up this podcast correct, correctly, which is a big if, um, but if I set it up correctly, you will hear the theme song from Corazon Valiente, the extremely overwrought theme song from Corazon Valiente, somewhere in this podcast. I have no idea where, because this, this is all like a huge experiment right now. But anyway, so it was a scene from a telenovela. And for those of you who don't know, telenovelas are the uh, serials that are on, uh, they're like mini series that are on every night on not only uh, Spanish-speaking television stations, but, I mean, they're huge all over the world. Uh, Turkey, Greece, um, you could just name about any country. But just like soccer, they never caught on as much in the U.S., except, of course, for the people, the uh, you know, people that lived in Chicago that came from countries where they watched them. Anyway, so I knew what they were, and well, I shouldn't say that. I thought I knew what they were, because I would have said, oh, they're the Spanish soap operas. They are not. Um, they are nothing like soap operas. I watched all my children, One Life to Live, in General Hospital for like 30 or 40 years. And in One Life to Live, Joe Riley, one of Vicky's husbands, wore the same trench coat for like six months. Um, in the same scene, like the same scene went on for six months. That's why he was in the same trench coat. Um, cause I love soap operas, but you know, things happen slowly, not in a telenovela, but I'll get to that in another episode. In any event, I stopped at this novella, Corazon Valiente, which I knew absolutely nothing about. All I can tell you is that it was a scene between the actors I later came to know, um, Miguel Varoni and Jimena Duque. Very compelling, captivating actors. And they were in a scene, and they kept calling Miguel Varoni the scientist. Literally, like, I mean, that was the word, scientist. And I was like, what kind of a scientist wears his shirts unbuttoned down to the middle of his chest and basically spends the entire episode trying to make time with Jimena Duque, who, as I learned, was a bodyguard of some kind. And I guess she was supposed to be a bodyguard to the scientist, but I had no idea. I, I was just like, why are they calling him a scientist? Because I took science. Nobody ever looked like this, which is why I did really poorly at science. If those scientists that taught science classes would have looked like and acted like Miguel Veroni, I would have like invented a thing to get us to the moon already. But in any event, I was just like, who are these two? What are they doing? And then in the next scene, it looked to me like a baby was in charge of his own kidnapping because there was some baby sitting in a bouncy seat on a table surrounded by three men who totally looked like they were up to no good. And I thought, well, that baby must be kidnapped because the baby clearly didn't belong with these men. But the thing was, is that the men would look down at the baby, but more importantly, the baby would look up at the men with some kind of an expression on his face that was actually scary and it was a baby. 
And also the theme music from what sounded like The Omen played, like a one-off version of the music from The Omen, like the like that crazy Latin chanting before the um, Rottweilers killed someone in that movie. Um, that's what it looked like. And then the men would recoil in horror. And I was like, is this baby in charge of his own kidnapping? But of course, I didn't speak Spanish. And as luck would have it, because I will say it was luck, I didn't know how to put on the closed captioning on my television to get English subtitles. I'm not even sure if it was an option at the time. Um, I had like a 41-inch tube TV, which I would like to point out weighed more than a house, perhaps. Um, But, you know, that was before flat screens. I know I sound like the whole thing is from some ancient time period, but it was like 2013. No streaming, gigantic tube TV, and maybe or maybe not um, able to get subtitles. But I couldn't figure it out. So I was watching it, and I went back the next night to see if I could understand a little bit more. Because at that point, the only Spanish I knew was courthouse Spanish, which is basically... Siente se, por favor. Please have a seat. And tienes un abogado? Do you have a lawyer? That's it. Um, so I didn't understand any of it, but I loved watching it because A, everybody seemed crazy. Like there didn't seem to be one normal person in the whole cast. Um, and then everybody also had these conversations that were at an incredible pitch. Like every conversation was the most important conversation in the world. Every conversation was very dramatic. Some kid came through the door and threw away his crutches like Tiny Tim. And I guess he meant a duque was the mother. And then, but she still went out to go visit the scientist. And I think her husband was mad at her because he was like, oh, your son just started to walk and you're going to the scientist. I mean, I think... That's what he said to her. I still don't know. Um, I would have to watch it again. But it was something like he was mad because a kid threw away his crutches. And then she goes like prancing out the door. And everybody seemed really happy that the, the young man threw away his crutches. So I don't know why she went to the scientist. I don't think the scientist cured him. Um, in fact, I'm quite certain of it because when I did go back later and try to watch some episodes of Corazon Valiente years later when they repeated it, um, Miguel Veroni was pretending to be a scientist, but he was really a killer. Um, so anyway, but to go back to, you know, two or three episodes into the show, um, I was just fascinated by it. And I wished I spoke Spanish so I could understand what the heck was going on on this show, because I had never seen anything like it. Um, and I'll tell you honestly, when I did go back a few years ago, I mean, when I did go back recently to watch a few episodes to see if any of it made more sense to me now, I understood a lot more. Um, and I'll tell you some funny things that I figured out uh, because I did understand Spanish better uh, when I tried to, you know, cut, catch some episodes again. But um, I really, it was a crazy fun series and I'm not sure by the end of it if anybody knew what was happening because I learned later that um, 
they had to write at the very end like an additional 20 episodes uh, because the next novella, I guess, wasn't quite ready to hit the air that was going to take its place. And so um, they had to come up with some episodes at the last minute. That uh, so, And those were the episodes I was watching, which I learned uh, later. But anyway, to go back to that cold and stormy winter night, and the next night, and the next night, I kept coming back for more. Corazon Valiente, thoroughly confused. Then what happens next, not to sound like Monk, but here's what happened. Um, Christmas comes, and I'll tell you later a little bit more about my family, but we are a very ethnic family full of immigrants. Um, President Trump, who, you know, I don't want to get political on here, I guess, but I don't know, to me, everything is political lately. But we are a family of immigrants from all over the world or all over Europe, I guess. Um, I shouldn't be so dramatic all over the world. It's not like anybody's from Australia or New Zealand, but Italy, um, in-laws from Greece, in-laws, in-laws from Czechoslovakia, um, you know, people that came to the States, a lot of them not speaking English and learned it and made a wonderful, made wonderful lives for themselves. But we were all together at Christmas Eve and uh, one of my cousins who was originally from Italy and, of course, spoke perfect Italian and English um, and lived in Florida, was about to marry a woman from Brazil. And he was learning Portuguese so that he could speak to his new in-laws. And that led us to a conversation uh, that led me to ask, you know, many of my relatives and in-laws, how did you learn English when you got here? And all of them learned it from television. Um, the people that were like around my age learned it from all my children, which was remarkable because, you know, I mean, that show was on for a long time, but I don't know how you could come in the middle of it and watch it and watch it well enough. Uh, watch, I'm sorry, understand it well enough to learn English, but they did. Um, for some of them, it was Friends, Saved by the Bell. It just depended on, you know, how old they were. What were the popular TV shows? But every single one of them learned English from watching TV. And since I grew up in a house that had 13 TVs, which might seem a little weird because there were only, um, you know, four kids and two parents and none of us were net network executives. Um, and I'll tell you more about my family and how we came to the 13 TVs later. But in any event, I was very familiar with TV and um, I, the idea of learning anything from TV was so much more appealing because I was a terrible student, especially a terrible law student. But um, so I thought, well, if they could learn English from watching America, you know, all my children and friends, maybe I could learn Spanish from watching a telenovela. Now, we're still in December of 2013 at this point. And so I went to work shortly after that, and I asked my good friend um, and co-worker, Irma Lopez, who was a Mexicana, um, but from, you know, from Mexico, but, you know, grew up in Chicago. And I asked Irma if she watched telenovelas, and she was like, of course I do, but that's not such a silly question, because there are plenty of people um, from Latin America that don't watch telenovelas. And that was a big mistake I made. I assumed everybody 
from Latin America watch novellas, but no, um, they're all watching Netflix. Um, it's, it's like, I'm the one who wants to watch telenovelas morning and night. But I asked Irma if she was watching, if she watched novellas, and she said she did. And I said, well, do you think I could learn English from watching a telenovela? And she said, yeah, I think so. I don't see why not, because, of course, she knew people, too, who would come here from Mexico and other countries in Latin America, and they learned English the same way as my relatives did from TV. So she said, yeah, of course you can learn it from telenovelas. I said, okay, do you think I can learn it from Corazon Valiente? And I got my first lesson in telenovelas when Irma said, absolutely not. And I said, why not? Now I was mad. She said, because Corazon Valiente is in its ultimos capitulos, concluding episodes, closing episodes. I didn't know there was such a thing, but I knew nothing about it. I mean, at that point, Corazon Valiente was probably like 210 episodes, and we were on episode maybe 207. Uh, Irma said, there's no way you can learn Spanish from that show because it's coming to an end. But on January 8th, another novella will take its place called La Patrona. And Irma was going to watch that and her mother in Texas, but she might have been visiting Irma here in Chicago at the time. She was going to watch it too because it starred two huge actresses. The, uh, the, the late, she recently died, she was fantastic, and I'll tell you more about her in later podcasts, but Christiane Bach played La, played La Patrona, and Araceli Arambula played the woman who wanted to be La Patrona. And really, in the tiny town of San Pedro del Oro, there cannot be two La Patronas because the town was very small, and that would mean like the whole town would almost be killed off. But Araceli Arambula wanted to be a good patrona and deserved to be la patrona because she really owned the mind that made all the money that Christiane Bach's patrona stole from her family. Anyway, I'll get into all that later. But all you need to know now is Cortezón Valiente was coming to an end, and la patrona was about to begin. And Irma said, that was the novella I should watch because it was going to be great. And um, I, you know, I could watch it at my house. Irma would watch it at her house. And then the next day at work, uh, with apologies to the taxpayers of Cook County, we could analyze, Irma could help me figure out the episode because, of course, I was going to be you know, trying to learn Spanish from it. So that's the beginning of all this. Um, and I will tell you in a, in a later podcast, you know, what happened next when I started to watch La Patrona. But what I want to tell you uh, before I end is this, because this is really the key to the whole podcast, if I may be so dramatic, as if there is a key um, to the podcast. It's this. Five years ago, I made that decision to watch La Patrona all the way through to see if I could learn Spanish from watching La Patrona. And now, of course, we were in 2014, January of 2014. Um, and I did. But what's happened is five years later, um, I'm sorry, January, 
yeah, January of, no, I'm sorry, it's January of 2013. I am like the worst podcaster because I can't remember the years. Corazon Valiente was concluding in 2012 and La Patrona was starting in 2013. And um, I made that decision based upon stumbling upon Corazon Valiente to watch La Patrona and see if I could learn Spanish from it. And from that one, what would seem to be a silly decision, my entire life changed. And I know that sounds super dramatic, um, but when I, when I tell you my whole life changed, this is how much my life changed. Two days ago, I moved to Mexico City. I am doing this podcast from my little studio in Mexico City, in La Condesa. Um, I had never been to Mexico in my life. I had traveled, um, and, but I had never been to Mexico. And I left my job early. Uh, I was able to retire, and I did. And I left my job, and I left Chicago. I never lived anywhere. I'd never lived anywhere else. I left my family. I left my friends. Um, and I moved, I've moved to Mexico City to write the telenovela of my dreams. Um, and I can't believe I'm actually now doing a podcast from Mexico City. Um, I, and I've called this podcast, you may be wondering, um, My Mexican Mistakes, because it was, it was certainly not a mistake to move to Mexico. I love it here. I landed Saturday night, and I was very tired. And I'll be honest, the ride from the airport, I know everybody says Mexico City is so huge. I'm not saying it's not, but the airport isn't far from here. But that ride from the airport to uh, the place that I'm living in reminded me very much of like what Desplaines looks like. Like I think every airport is in the same exact kind of neighborhood because uh, really if the signs weren't in Spanish, I would have sworn I was in Desplaines or Schiller Park, one of those neighborhoods around O'Hare Airport. Um, but we got here late Saturday night and I woke up Sunday morning under Mexican skies and I have been in heaven ever since. I could not be happier. I call this my Mexican mistakes because there's two things I don't understand very well. I mean, I understand Spanish better, but I have made a lot of mistakes since I've gotten here. Um, and I don't understand the metric system at all. And that is a deadly combination, not speaking Spanish very well and not understanding the metric system at all. And I'll tell you more about that in later podcasts. But so that's why I call it, because I expect to make a lot of mistakes um, speaking Spanish and making decisions and doing things. And I got lost this morning, but like every good novella, I had a happy ending and found my way home. But there were some adventures on the way. Um, I am excited to be here. I'm happy to be doing this podcast. If I did this right, the music you will hear is from Corazon Valiente. I wanted to sort of pay tribute to the novellas that kick this all off. And the first one is Corazon Valiente, Braveheart. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you're still listening, who knows? Um, you know, probably nobody's listening anymore. But if you are listening, um, stay with me. I will try to get better with every podcast. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as Gringa Novelera. Um, 
that's my my fan page on or my I guess a fan page sounds like what am I Elvis? Um, but it is a page and it's La Gringa Novelera. Um, and I write about the novellas there. And also on Instagram is Gringa Novelera and on Facebook too, just like my own name, Karen Kerbis. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I'm sure there'll be some changes to the form of this along the way as I get better, but you have to start somewhere. And so I'm starting with this one. And I'm sorry if you have had the misfortune of listening to this first podcast. Thank you. Bye.